Um, for those of you who are here for the first time, you're wondering, okay, what is this? What is this about? What are we doing here? Um, my passion for every believer, even people who are growing in their faith and are, are wrestling through their faith or wherever you are in your faith, um, I truly believe that reading the word of God is one of the most powerful, powerful activities that you can engage in. I believe that reading the word aside from prayer is the most important thing that any believer can do. And the travesty is, is that most believers have not read through the entire Bible. Um, and so we kind of miss out on a lot of the, uh, the, 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 just the, the breadth of the scripture and the width of the scripture. And, and sometimes because of that, we kind of have this myopic view of God, a myopic view of God's will, his plan. And, and so for me, I, and, and of course, that's how a lot of people fall astray because often if teaching is only done in these little snippets and slivers, we miss a lot. We miss a lot. And so for me, my passion has been to empower believers, not to depend on the pastors and the ministers, but to be independent in themselves, to grow in the grace of God and to move in the power of God. I just believe that every every person filled with the Holy Spirit can move in the power of God. And so this is what we came we came to do. We come every day to read the word. And what I want to show you as well is that reading the word is not this um, super intimidating endeavor. Um, it's not this super intimidating endeavor. It seems intimidating because sometimes the Bible is so big, it's so thick, there's so much there. But imagine how much Bible we get uh, through just spending 20 to 30 minutes a day. So that's what we do here. We spend 20 to 30 minutes every weekday reading through the Bible. We're going to read through the entire scripture uh, 20 to 30 minutes a day. And for those of you who have been with me from the beginning, we've been re we've read through uh, through the entire New Testament and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. One more thing I want to say before we get started. If you ever miss um, any of the reading rants that we do on TikTok, you can catch them on Facebook. I actually have my Facebook family who's on as well live. You can catch it in our Facebook group. It's called The Font Everywhere. You can join us there on The Font Everywhere. Um, you can catch the read and rants there. Um, it's being broadcast right now. Um, I got Doris who's here with me. I got Derek. Those, that's fam. I got Pam um, who's here. You guys are fam. I, th these are my regulars. And it's just great to see a regular committed group of people coming together every day in the morning and just spending time in the word, eating the spiritual food that is the word of God. And so if you ever miss it, you can go back because I saved them there. So you can go back and just check it out there. It's the font everywhere. It's a private group. We haven't made it public yet, um, but it's growing really fast and it's just incredible what's happening there. Uh, but yeah, I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and and just make a request to be a member of that group. Um, and even though it isn't public yet, you, you, you'll have full access to everything. I just, you know, I, I just desire to see you guys read the word. So if you ever miss a day, go back and catch it there. But today what we're doing is, is we are reading through Exodus 13. We are reading through Exodus 13 and we're going to spend about 20 minutes reading through um, as much scripture as we can. And that's what we do. We just spend 20, 30 minutes a day um, reading through scripture. And then we rant where we just reflect on um, where the Lord is leading on that day. So I have nothing really planned. I'm just here in prayerful meditation, uh, asking to hear from God. And I'm, I'm going to need him as much as I can today because um, I'm definitely tired 
from just all the craziness of this weekend and, you know, all the back end stuff that happens in ministry. But I'm so encouraged that I have you guys who are here with me. It empowers me. It encourages me to continue to press forward and to move on. Um, I want to say one more thing as well before we get started. I am so encouraged by your stories. Um, I can't say that enough. Um, I on our Facebook group, we started a Facebook room and I was in there and Jason came on there and Jason was just sharing how much the reading rant has transformed his life. And the, the the man almost brought me to tears. The man almost brought me to tears. And I told him, I said, man, you, you're, you're wrecking me right now. Um, but it's just incredible to hear the stories of what God is doing through this time that we spend together in the reading of the word. This is what I desire for you. And I'm so glad to hear that, that there are those of you who are even um, who haven't said it to me directly, but can attest to that. And you can attest to that even on this chat right now for the people who are watching right now and attest to the fact that just this time in the last, you know, um, the last seven weeks that we've spent um, in the reading of the word, how much it's transformed your life. Just reading. Even if you didn't understand everything you read, just reading how much it's transformed you. And now I want to show you how independent you can be in growing in God. You don't need a bishop or a pastor or a prophet or somebody to for you to grow. Okay, They're there to cultivate you and to shape you and to discipline you in your growth. Um, but you can grow and you've got the power to do that. There's an independence that 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 God wants you to have through him in the power of his Holy Spirit. And so I believe in that. I truly believe in that. And so uh, for me, that's what I want to see. I want to see empowered Christians. I'm tired of seeing Christians who are so disempowered, so dependent. Um, I want to see Christians who can move in the power of God, who have the full power of God on them, that don't just look up to the pastors and the ministers. Anyway, I'm ranting already. I don't want to rant yet. Um, but I just want, I, that's my passion. That's my desire um, is to see you move in the power of God. And so if I can, if I can help you, this is where I would do it. This is where, where I would do it. Um, so let's get to it. Um, Exodus chapter 13, we're going to be reading. Um, I'll be reading from the new, new King James Version. You can read from whatever version um, you desire. This isn't necessarily a Bible study. This is just a reading of the scripture. Okay. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you. Lord, that you... Lord, are the God of the resurrection. <laughs> oh, you are alive. <laughs> you are alive. Oh. And you are living in us. Father, I pray that as we read your word today, Lord, that we would hear you. Lord, hear you speaking to us. Lord, speak to us, Lord. Lord, incline our ears towards you as we read your scripture. Let us not simply be informed by your word, but let us be transformed by it. Lord, convict us. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. I want you to ask three questions as you're reading. What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? And what is God revealing concerning me? Are you asking that for yourself? What is God revealing concerning you? Okay. Let's read. Verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. 
And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of, by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep his service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no unleavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And you shall be, and you shall tell your son in that day, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You therefore keep his ordinance in its season from year to year. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that it is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And you shall, and, and if you will not redeem it, then you will break its neck. And all the firstborn of a man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? that you shall say to him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both of the, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Shall be a sign on your hand, and as frontlets between your eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Hmm. When it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let, then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God let the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire, give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Chapter 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Heroth, between Migdal 
and the sea opposite of Baal Sephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered in the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, that all the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this? What have uh, that, that, sorry, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 choice chariots and all the choice of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his fam and his army, and overtook them and camping, uh, overtook them camping by the sea of Pi-Haharoth before Baal-Sephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there, was, there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we, that was, that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Hmm. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Hmm. Highlighting that. Hmm. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will follow. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud of darkness to the one. And it gave light by night to the other. Hmm. So that the one did not come near the other that night, all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea. Uh, sorry. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. 
Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea in the morning. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and a wall on the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work that the Lord had done in Egypt. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Exodus 15. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also drowned in the sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You have sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap, and the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among our gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab trembling will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as stone till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountains of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Whew. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. 
<laughs> then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with after her with timbrels and dances, and Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Oh. Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And he said, If you diligently heed the voice of God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandment, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought to the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. We'll read one more chapter. And they journeyed to Elim. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. <laughs> Sorry, somebody just called me. <laughs> and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out of the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. <laughs> and the people shall go out and gather certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. <laughs> and they shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and shall bring in twice as much as they gather that day. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel at evening, you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord for he hears your complaints against the Lord that we, but what we, that you complain against us. Also Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation, there's so much here guys, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation and to the children of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. 
So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay around the camp. And when uh, the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given to you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to his own need. Hmm. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his to to his need and when the sun became hot it melted so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread two omers for each one and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses and he said to them this is what the Lord has said tomorrow is Sabbath rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept in the morning so they laid it up till morning as Moses had commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord had given you the Sabbath, therefore, <clears throat> for the Lord had given you the Sabbath, therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna, for it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded, fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread which you fed in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to an inhabited land, and they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. <sighs> the word of the Lord. Um, as I mentioned before, this is, uh, this is my favorite time. Even as tired as I am, I'm so, so refreshed and rejuvenated by the word of God. The Bible tells us that his word is living and active. 
His word is living and active. Um, his word gives life. It is everything. It's everything. And I'm so encouraged to even read this, and it's so timely often uh, when we read the word of God, how the word gives us a lot of information. There's a lot of information here. I want you to see that. There's a lot of information here. Yet, what the Lord wants to do is he wants to give you manna for this day. <laughs> Notice what I just did there. He wants to give you what you need this day. Remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. He said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Another word for that is the quotidian bread. Give us this day our quotidian or our daily bread. In French, it's pain quotidien. Give us this day our quotidian bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That is the bread that we need for today. Um, not the bread for yesterday. Not potential bread for tomorrow. But give us this day our bread. That is our bread for today. Our daily bread. Um, and it really points down uh, what Jesus is in the Lord, Lord's prayer is doing is he's pointing to this here. He's pointing to this here. So glad you're here, Nina. So glad you're listening. He's pointing to the quotidian bread, the bread that only survived for the day, the bread that was only good for the day, the bread that was only sustainable and maintainable for the day. That is, that if it's only good for this day, it won't be good for the next day. And if it's only good for this day, it was not good for yesterday because it's only good for today. And if it's only good for today, then you take for today what you need for today. That's the quotidian bread. And Jesus asked that we would pray to ask to have that quotidian bread, that daily bread, to live a life where we're not overly consumed by yesterday, to live a life where we're not overly consumed by what had happened and trying to recover what, we, what, what had happened, but to... And, and also not to seek to hoard for what is to be, but to trust the Lord in this day and in this moment with what he has for us on this day. So he says to us, give us this day our quotidian bread, our bread for today. Um, I have a few thoughts and, and, uh, I have a few thoughts, and, and after that, I'll, I'll let you guys go because I know I got to get going to go teach my class. But there, there are a few things I, I want to point out to, um, two things that really stick out to me. And I want to talk about this daily bread, this quotidian bread, this manna, this manna uh, that, that, that we see in the story. Before this, right, the children of Israel are, have just left Egypt. They have just left Egypt under the opp uh, oppression of an empire, a, an economic empire and they've left you know after the ten commandments after god has displayed his power he displays his power and after the ten commandments pharaoh finally buckles to uh to and he acquiesces to uh moses's request to let the people go and so the people leave and when they leave they leave with uh they leave with gold they leave with i mean they plundered the place okay they went they took whatever they could with them 
There's one verse I think that really sticks out and you can go back and check it. Uh, I believe it's in chapter 11. And if I have some time, I'll go back and look at it. But in chapter 11, I want you to notice this, that there were, there were Egyptians that left with them. Pay attention, family. There were Egyptians that left with them. And, and, and conversely, there were also Hebrews that stayed. There were Egyptians that left and there were Hebrews that stayed. Usually the narrative is that he only took God's people, <laughs> the Israelites, the children of Israel, that he only took the children of Israel and he left with only the children of Israel and went into the wilderness with them, which is not true. That isn't the, the that, that is not what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us that there were Egyptians that left with them and there were Hebrews that stayed. Now you could say that most of the Hebrews left and most of the Egyptians stayed, <laughs> right? But there were, there were Hebrews that stayed and there were Egyptians that left. Meaning leaving was something that was a matter of faith. And that notice, notice again how God is, 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 um, he's, he's beginning to teach us the power that faith has, that when you step in by faith, you get to partake in what you would not have partaken in before. That these Egyptians who left along with the Israelites now got to partake in the blessing of the Israelites. There were Egyptians that left with them. Now they left with them and they go into the wilderness. Okay. It's something I just wanted to point out too, because sometimes we miss that, that there's a, there's an element of God's family that isn't necessarily blood, but that there's an element of the family of God, which is faith. I want to say that one more time, that the family of God is not simply established by blood, but it's established by faith and the conduit in which the faith will catalyze is the blood but the blood will not be our blood and our DNA, but through the DNA of the Hebrews will be the DNA that is Jesus Christ. It'll be Christ himself, God in the flesh, who now reconciles all men unto himself, where Egyptians and Hebrews, all nations, all people can come together and be the family of God because the family of God is not established by who your mama or your daddy was. Be, being in the family of God is established by your faith in him. We get this thing twisted sometimes because we think that we are Christian or we're chosen because of, you know, who our parents were or because my father was a pastor, or my mother was a pastor, or I grew up in a church. Most people identify themselves as Christian simply because they grew up in a Christian church. That does not codify or identify you as Christian. You're not Christian because you grew up in church. You're not Christian because your mom was a Christian or because your dad was a Christian. You're not Christian or you're not a child of God because of the blood or because of your parents. No, we read that later on. We've already read this, right? I'm just, again, iterating and reminding you of that. And we see remnants of that here in the scripture that what brought you into the family of God was your faith, not your doing, not your action, not anything else was faith. Now, you may have been given a privilege that being able to be exposed by people who are people of faith, you were able now to bring on and to take on and to experience faith. But faith is what brings you to the family of God, not any action, not any doing, and not your posterity. 
I have to say this because there are all these doctrines around like we're the chosen people of God or, or do you know who you are? Yes, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God by faith. Anybody who tries to teach you a doctrine about a bloodlines don't, doesn't understand that the bloodline was restored in Jesus Christ. It was restored by Christ. That now it isn't just one seed, but we are many seeds of which we've come from one seed that is Jesus Christ by faith in him. Okay, so for those who are, um, I, 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 I just ran into a brother, like a good guy. I mean, I, I love him, brother, um, who's telling me, did you not know that you are a chosen person of God because you are, um, you are the true Israelite nation, you are the true people of God? And I say to him, well, which one? Because if, is it the people that went through the wilderness? Because if it's the people that went through the wilderness, among the Hebrews were Egyptians. Among the Hebrews were Gentiles. So, so which one does, is it, is it the people who were in, in slavery in Egypt? Is it before that? When did I become a part of this family? And when did I become a, a an Israelite <laughs> or when was I a Hebrew Israelite? The bloodline is not, the bloodline does not matter anymore because God restored the bloodline in Jesus Christ. I just want to point that out. Okay. This is important family. Is important because what we notice now is that Moses, who is the prophet, has come back to draw the people out and the people who got to partake in the blessing of God through the prophecy of the prophet Moses were the ones who responded to Moses' call. Notice Moses didn't force people to leave. He didn't force people to go to, um, to the wilderness. He didn't force them to do that. Okay, they willingly chose to, and in their choosing to, they got to partake in the blessing that God's going to bless this family with to bring righteousness and justice to the world. Okay, and so among them were Israelites, most of which were Israelites, but among them were Egyptians. I have to point that out. There were Gentiles and there were Israelites in that family. Okay, all partaking in the same suffering with them and and in, in essence, partaking in the glory with them. There were those who believed and because they believed, they got to partake in it. I don't need to go. I mean, we're going to eventually get through that. We're going to go through the entire scripture and see how people who were Gentiles got to become part of God's family. Did you forget Rahab, the prostitute? Okay, she did not come out of the land of Egypt. They met her in Jericho. <laughs> and she becomes part of Jesus's bloodline. Okay. So anybody who, who brings up this whole bloodline thing and this bloodline argument, it falls apart when you look at actually the story of the scripture and the family of God. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure I point that out. Now, um, there's something else that I think is profoundly important here that I've got to bring up and I have to mention to you is when we read this, we see how he, he consecrates the unleavened bread. We talked about the unleavened bread, okay? We talked about that the leaven is what um, the environment causes the bread to expand. And, why, and the reason why the Lord asked them to bring unleavened bread, make sure that the bread is unleavened because he does not want the remnants of Egypt to come with them. He wants them to leave all the remnants of Egypt, particularly speaking, with the bread, because the bread is what sustains them and it cannot be tainted by the Egyptian, uh, by, 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 by the Egyptian environment. You guys were there for that. If you miss it, go back, watch that read and rant. I just want to bring you back to bring you up to speed. Okay. 
But what I find particularly interesting in this scripture is Moses takes these people into the wilderness. So many things, so much I want to share here. And I know I can't preach this, so stay with me. I got a couple of minutes, okay? So stay with me. I hope I'm not boring you yet. Um, but, but there's so many things that stick out in this scripture that I want to bring to light to you as I'm reading it. So many things are sticking out to me. First thing that sticks out to me is in um, in Exodus 13, verse 19, it says, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had placed for he had placed the children of Israel under Solomon saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Remember what I said before, Joseph knew that 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 Egypt was not a permanent place and Joseph had expectation and belief that the children of Israel would go back to the promised land, back to Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, because that was the land that was promised to them by their father, Abraham. So he knew that they were going back. You understand what I'm saying? So he knew that they were going back. And so they were fulfilling the promise. Uh, sorry, they were fulfilling their commitment to Joseph. And his request to them saying that the oath that they made to him, that they would bring his bones back. The Egyptian prime minister knew his heritage and knew to send me back. Meaning he expected his people to go back. And his people overstayed their welcome in Egypt. That's what happened. They overstayed their welcome and they became slaves. Um, they became indentured servants. They became slaves. Slavery came out of their staying for too long. Okay. Now, um, what I love about this, now let me see if I can find it. Um, the scriptures tell us that the Lord, in, in chapter 14, that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children went out with boldness. Now he's, his heart is hardened. He sent them out. He realizes, hold on, I need them to continue to build my empire because there's nothing like free labor. Okay? There's nothing like free labor. So then he goes after them again. Now we could talk about the insolence of the of the children of Israel. We got plenty of time because we're going to do that throughout Exodus. How easy it is for them to forget the miracles that God has done to get them where they are. And sometimes, you know, for all of us, we can we tend to forget very easily that that getting to where we are is a miracle in and of itself. And that if God can get us this far, God can get us through what we're going through because God would never get us here to let us die and perish here. And yet we still have the perspective. We have what I call blessing amnesia. We, we, we're quick to forget the blessings of God after, you know, in the midst of our present suffering or when we're facing opposition. We're quick to forget what God has brought us out of when we face opposition in that moment. But that's another note for another day. I don't got time to break that down. Okay. But, but. But now he says, is this not a word that we told you in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. They, they enjoyed, notice they enjoyed slavery more than freedom. They enjoyed slavery more than freedom because slavery was guaranteed. Freedom is uncertain. And for many of us, again, this is just pointing out some things that are really convicting me. And I, sh I believe should convict the body of Christ is that we love to live in certainty, but people who live by faith do not live in certainty. They live in assurance. They see things that are not there. They make certain in their spirit, the things that are uncertain. 
And yet, because we love certainty so much, certainty leaves no room for faith. Certainty leaves no room for faith. They said, leave us alone. They preferred slavery. They preferred um, um, bondage because bondage was guaranteed. I know what I'm eating today. I know what I'm drinking today. I know what food I'm going to get. I know where I'm going to be staying. I know I'm going to, I, everything is set for me. Everything is certain for me. Just give me the certainty. And because we like to live in certainty, we lose the potentiality of what God is calling us to go into and what is what God is calling us to do. We have sacrificed purpose for certainty. And if you can admit it, there are many things in your life you sacrifice because you wanted the certain thing. And yet God cannot operate in the certain thing because a certain thing is by your power, but a God thing is going to be by his power. Again, side note, I, I, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll even, I, don't have, I don't have enough time. There's just so much here that I want to make sure I make clear to you um, because I, that's not where the Lord is leading me today. But I wanted to point that out, that for many people, your life is suffocating because you're stuck on the certain you're stuck on what's certain <laughs> and because you're stuck on what's certain you can't get what's promised as a matter of fact you can't get i'm sorry i'm ranting i'm sorry i'm ranting you can't get what's promised in the presence of certainty you can't get what's promised and for many of us we get we we hate on the people who walk into the purposes of god but we don't see the incredible sacrifice that they made in the presence of not knowing what was going to happen next in their life. There are people who've risked their entire life and their entire family and everything on, on a belief that God was going to get them to the next place, that God was going to move them into their calling. Some of us are stuck at jobs because they're certain, even though we hate it there, they're certain and it's funny. It's funny how when when we when we do step out, because they just left Egypt. When 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 we, when we do step out, we step out, and then we start seeing. Oh snap! This ain't easy. Paycheck's not guaranteed anymore. Food isn't promised. Oh snap! I'm spending two days without food now. Wait, am I going to be able to pay the light bill? What's going to happen next? And the moment we get there, all of a sudden, it was better there. Isn't, that, isn't it funny how right there, they were quick to say Egypt was better? <laughs> if he, I've, had this, I've said this to people because I have people who um, who stepped out in faith on some things. And they sat down with me and said, hey, man, I don't know if I can keep going. I think I'm just going to go back. I just, I, I'm just going to go back. And you know what I tell people? I, I try to remind him. I said, why would you go back to something that you were convinced of and convicted of that you should have left? This is a word for somebody today. You left that job or you left that place. You knew it wasn't good for you. You left it after fighting and struggling to leave. You finally leave. Then when you step out after a few months of, you know, where it gets really hard, you say, you know what? I think I want to go back. Fam, didn't you leave? <laughs> Why would you go back to something you left? Why would you go back to something that was so, you hated where you were. You hated it so much that you got up and left. 
And now you're saying you want to go back? No, see, that's the thing about amnesia is the moment you go through stuff, all of a sudden you begin to think that was better. So they're saying slavery was better. Slavery wasn't better. If it was better, you would have never left. Ah, you would have never left. Anyway, that's a side note. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. I'm sorry, but that's not the message. That's not the message I have for you today. Oh my gosh. I don't have enough time. We'll have more time tomorrow. I don't have enough time. I only have a few more minutes, so stay with me here, okay? Stay with me here. We read in Exodus 15, there's celebration. They leave after they've been delivered, right? Um, 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 Pharaoh has been over, has been defeated. He's been overcome. But, but hold on. There's one thing I want you to see right before it. Oh, gosh. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. Actually, 13. Let's start with 13 first. In 13, verse 21, I want you to stay right here for a second. Okay? There's never enough time, Daniel. Never. Oh. Verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night, in a pillar of fly fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Stay with me. If you recall, Moses leaves Egypt. And in verse 17... Watch this. It's all going to come together, okay? Because the Lord is just hitting me with this today. So stay with me. In verse 17, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. Okay. God promised the people the land of Canaan. He promised to get them out. Okay? Stay with me. He promised to get them out. There were two paths here. There's the easy, there's the short path. And then there's the long path. The short path would be um, to pass by through and to go through the land of the Philistines. But the short path would require them to fight. Okay? Stay there. The Philistines were barbaric people. They were an incredibly powerful people. And the Philistines are on the way on the short path. Notice what God says. God says, let them go the long way. Because in verse, in verse 18, so God led the people around the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. So they had to go to the Red Sea because of the Philistines who are on the short path. Watch this. The shortcut has battles. And notice that even though God was still going to give them the land of Egypt, what God's concern for them was is that the moment they see the enemy, they'll change their minds and return. It wasn't that they wouldn't make it through. 
God's concern was that they would change their minds. For some of us, we want the fast route, but God knows we can't handle it. We want the fast route to the promise, but God knows we can't handle it. God knows you can't handle the battles that come the fast way. So you know what? I'm going to take you the long way because there's some things I need to build up in you first because both ways you're going to face the Philistines. Watch this. We know eventually they're going to face the Philistines, but they can't handle the Philistines right now. Not because they're not able to defeat them, but because they'll look back at Egypt when they see war. See, God wants you in the wilderness long enough. <laughs> he wants you in the wilderness long enough that Egypt is not even an option for you anymore. There's some people who just left the job or just left the situation, just left a relationship, just left. And now you're, you're, you're still tempted to go back. And God's like, you're not ready to handle the battles before you. So I got to take you the slow route. I got to take you the slow route. <laughs> and I'm going to take you to the Red Sea. You hearing me? You hearing me? There's some people right now that want God to move faster and God saying you can't handle it. You want to see the success faster, but God saying you can't handle it. You want to you want to get to you want to get to that promise real quick, but God saying you get there. There's some there's some knives, there's some there's some guns. There there's some people who are going to want to tear you down. There's all kinds of oppositions that you are not mentally ready for. So for those people who are weeping about God not getting them there or God taking too long, you should be rejoicing because God is most likely saying to you, I'm building you up in the wilderness first. Oh, now we get to the word today is God needs to build you up in the wilderness before he can take you to the promise. God needs to build you up in the wilderness before he can take you to the promised land. There are many of us right now who are in a wilderness. We're in a season of difficulty. We're in a season where we don't know. We're in be we know we're, we're in the in-between. We're not where we used to be, but we're not where we believe God is calling us to be. And we're in the in-between. And we stay in this in-between complaining about it. And God's saying, no, this is your season of equipping. This is your season of training. This is your season of getting built up. This is your season of getting ready because the promised land will come with opposition. The promised land will come with kings and warriors and soldiers. The promised land is going to come with challenges. The promised land is going to come with people who, want, who straight up want to kill you and get rid of you. So while you're in the wilderness, build yourself up. And the reason why I find that profound family, stay with me here. The reason why that's so important in this season for a lot of you right now who are in a wilderness season and wondering, God, when are you getting me out? God say, I'm getting you at the right time because you haven't been built up yet. Understand this. God has brought you into the wilderness to strengthen you. It's training ground. It's equipping ground. If you're in the wilderness right now, you're wondering, how am I getting to the promise? Keep working your craft. Keep building yourself up.
Keep pushing forward. Keep training. Keep equipping. Keep getting better. Keep on reading. Don't wait to get there to get there. Because when you get there, you may not be ready for what you're getting to. God wants to equip you in this season. And how do I know that? What's my confirmation of that? My confirmation of that is Moses in this text. Moses in this text is confirmation of that. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I know that because Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. He spent 40 years in the wilderness that he's now leading the children of Israel through. 40 years in the wilderness. Imagine all those years. He's built a life in the wilderness. He's built a family in the wilderness. He's got son in the wilderness. He's been a shepherd in the wilderness. He's shepherded in the wilderness. He knows everything about the wilderness, every nook and cranny, every element of the wilderness he knows. He knows the schedule. He knows everything about the wilderness. He knows where to go, where not to go. He knows where people are, where they are not. He knows he can navigate through the wilderness. He's a wilderness navigator. And he's a wilderness navigator because he has been in it for a long time. He went from being prince of Egypt, a general of the army, to now a shepherd, a humble shepherd in, in obscurity. Nobody knows who this guy is anymore. For Egypt, he might as well be dead. No one thought he would survive. And yet he survived the wilderness. Not only did he survive in the wilderness, he thrived in it. And then, and now he's been called back to Egypt. He goes back to Egypt, gets the children of Israel, and walks them through the wilderness. When they did not know where to go, guess who they were asking? Moses, where do we go next? How would Moses know not to go through that valley? He knew not to go through the valley because he knew the Philistines were there. How would he know that? He would know that because he knows the landscape. He knows the wilderness. He knows it well. <laughs> Here's the beauty of all of that, fam. Here's the beauty of all of that. Now he's known the wilderness well. He knows how to navigate in a way so as to throw anyone in the wilderness off. When it says the Lord went by them, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to, to give them light. So as to go by day and night, it says he did not take away the pillar of cloud, nor did he take the pillar of fire. Moses had a map. He had a destination. He had a road map. And Moses, with this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire created a distraction. People have asked this question, how did it take the children of Israel if it took them so long to cross the Red Sea when the Red Sea was open? That was a miracle, right? The real, the, the other miracle that we miss in this scripture is we miss the miracle that Pharaoh's army didn't overtake them. These guys have chariots and swords. How is it possible for these men to not catch up to these people? When they saw them from a distance. How? Look what it says in Exodus 14, verse 19. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud 
went from before them and now stood behind them. Watch this now. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Are you with me here? Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, but it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. What becomes a cloud and a light at the same time? A fire. <laughs> a fire. What became a cloud and a light at the same time? For one, it was a cloud. For the other, it was a light. But now this light wasn't guiding them. This light was now distracting Pharaoh. He would say, well, there's this huge, I, I know you've seen the movies with the huge cloud, right? This huge cloud that, that covers them and Pharaoh's army can't, can't, they can't get, they can't, maybe you're missing this. You're missing what's happening here. It's not that there was a cloud that blocked them. There was a cloud that distracted them. You see, Pharaoh, Moses knew Pharaoh. He knew his skills. He knew his, you know, they were both trained. They both were educated together. Okay. This guy was nearly his brother. So they knew each other well. They were trained in warfare. They were trained in how to, because they, they fought many battles in the wilderness. So they knew. So then, so, so Moses would know that the way you keep Pharaoh distracted is put a cloud in a certain direction and he will go that way. Put a cloud in another direction and he will go that way. Put a cloud. Well, how is he putting these clouds in all these different directions in each of these different days? The Lord put a fire here because the cloud would represent the campground. So from a distance, when Pharaoh would see that cloud, he would go that way. And when that cloud, when he got there, he would see that there was nothing there. But then he would see another cloud. So he'd go the other way and the other way and the other way and the other way. So while Pharaoh's running all over the place, going back and forth, Moses is leading the children of Israel across the Red Sea. Hmm. Moses knew the landscape. And because he knew the landscape, God used him. God used his story. God used his experience. God used his his context to deliver the children of Israel out of the wilderness. Many of us, sometimes we, we don't understand that God moves and he works through his people. So God is moving, God is working. It is miraculous in and of itself. And yet this cloud was not a cloud of distraction as many would see it. It, uh, it was not a cloud like a fog or a big, huge. No, it was 
literally a cloud of distraction. It was darkness to one and light to the other. The Hebrews would understand this, that this is basically a campfire. This is a large campfire and that it was used as a distraction. So Pharaoh was going places he didn't need to go. <laughs> this light that was placed behind them Somebody understand that? This light that we're gonna to get to that uh, jeeper in a, in, a, in in about another week or a couple of days. So what am I saying to you today? Because I gotta go. Can't be a Marty out of town. I'm so sorry. Moses was an expert of the wilderness. He has gone through the wilderness, survived it, thrived in it. He went back to take a people through the wilderness because what's in between the promise and where you were is the wilderness. And so now what you're being called to do is you need to learn to endure your season of your wilderness. Why? In part because God already promised you the promise but in another part, he's equipping you and teaching you and training you. Because there are going to be people who are going to go through what you're going through. And they're going to need someone to help them navigate through it. And it's going to take the power of God along with the, the experience that you had. That's going to allow these people to go through what you have gone through. So while you're in the wilderness, what do you do? You train. You keep pressing in. You study to show yourself approved. You keep building yourself up. You keep working your craft. Even in a season where you feel like nothing's working out, you act as if it is. You keep pressing in because that promise is still there for you. That promise is still there for you. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually, but the, the travesty is they will spend decades and decades and decades in the wilderness. And the distance between Egypt, where they were, North Egypt and Canaan, was just a couple hundred miles. What should have taken them three weeks took them 80 years because of their inability to sustain and to be able to persevere when they get to the promised land. The promised land is going to have the promise, but it's not going to come without the enemy. And so for 40 years, they trained and they equipped and they were disobedient. So they had to train another generation and equip them. But in the end, the promise came to fulfillment. The wilderness is your training ground. So instead of weeping and crying about it, change your perspective. Say, Lord, teach me in this wilderness. 
train me, equip me, build me up, make me stronger in this wilderness. And he will. He will. Um, for those of you who are here, um, if you catch a read and rant um, and you miss it and you're like, wait, hold on, I missed the read and rant. Um, yes, yes, Vanessa. And if you don't do it, your kids will. Your kids may fulfill what you did not because of your lack of faith. Um, let's pray. And then afterwards, I just have a few things I want to share. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, you're always convicting us and correcting us and strengthening us and empowering us with your word. Father, bless us today. Lord, let's be reminded for those of us who are in a wilderness season. Father, I just pray right now that you would strengthen us. Lord, strengthen them in faith, Father. Build them up right now, Lord. How they need you right now. They need you right now. Lord, I pray that you would, um, Lord, give them the grace, Lord, to be able to persevere. But also give them the hope to know, Lord, that what's to come is better than what they're going through. You said in your word, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. And yet, Lord, you are restoring, Lord. You're revealing your glory through us, Lord, even through our suffering and our challenges. So, Father, I just pray that you would um, strengthen each and every individual here in faith. And I say that in your name we pray. Amen.